0: All right. So you guys hungry for a word from from the Bible this morning? Man, I'm excited. I'm excited about this sermon series that we're in right now, Momentum. Shout out also to Tony Kohansky for printing the t-shirts. If you guys need some t-shirts printed, go see Tony. I feel like we need a business directory, honestly. Like if you're just looking for like goods and services, I need a plumber. I need an electrician. I need Yeah, anyways. Okay, so I'm excited about this sermon series that we're in called Momentum. And I really believe that God named this sermon series personally. I really feel that our church is in a season of momentum unlike anything we've ever experienced before. And if you've been here for a little while, I know that you can say amen to that. Because I feel like what God is doing is just moving in us because he's about to move through us in an unprecedented way in the city of Nashville. I believe with all my heart that God has called this family, that he's anointed this community to make this city more beautiful. And I think that's what we're going to see in 17, guys. It's not just going to be about the presence of God in here, but it's going to be about the presence of God out there and about this city, East Nashville, this neighborhood becoming more beautiful and being transformed. I'm telling you guys, I believe that with all my heart. So as we prepare for the second installment of the Momentum series, I just want you just to prep your spirit, you know, just get expectant for an increase of heaven's momentum to be released into your life today. You are going to leave this room different than how you walked in. Amen? And so I just want you to stir up your spirit, get expectant, because that's what's going to happen as God speaks to you, not just through my message, but as God speaks to you directly. So I want you to open up your Bibles this morning to 2 Samuel chapter 5. I'd like to read verse 17 through 21. So if you have your Bible app, you can open it up. Uh, I'm going to read in the ESV, and I'll have it on the screen. So if you'd like to read along, we'll all read it together. 2 Samuel 5, 17 through 21 says, When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. Notice it says all. All the Philistines. That's a lot of folk looking for one guy. All right. But David. Everybody say, but David. But David. Heard of it and he went down to the stronghold. Everybody say stronghold. stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephraim. Next slide, please. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. So good. And David came to Baal-perazim. Everybody say that one. Baal-perazim, right? It's an interesting uh, name for a city. And David defeated them there. You should just insert your name where it says David, right? David defeated them there, and he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. Therefore, the name of that place is called Baal Perazim. And the Philistines left their idols there, and David and his men carried them away. Man, this is a good passage to preach from. I'm excited about this today. Lord, We ask you to just bless our time in your word. We know that your word never changes. We know that it's everlasting. We know that it's undefeated. God, we thank you for the victory embedded within your word. We thank you, God, for the transformation that's present here today right now for your people. God, I ask that you would just anoint me as a messenger to deliver your words to your people today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. "Amen." So let me give you a little bit of a background of what's happening in this scripture. I love stories about David. Anybody else in here? So we see that the Philistine army here, they hear that David has been anointed and crowned king over Israel. Now, they don't waste any time. As soon as David is anointed, the Philistines come and they surround David ready to attack him. They're in advantageous positions, positions of war, and they're ready to strike, and they're ready to bear down on David. They're ready to kill the new king of Israel. So here they are in the hills. They're surrounding David. They're all around him, and David finds himself in a precarious position. His back is against the wall, and it really was not looking good for him or his brothers. I'm sure you've been in a situation like that before yourself, right? When you're looking around, you're like, this doesn't look good. If God don't come through, I'm not sure what's going to become of my life. Some of you guys are in that place this morning, right now, right? And uh, what what David does is something that all of us have been given permission and have been anointed to do, which is David goes down into his stronghold. Now, what is David's stronghold? It's it's not just a basement. David's stronghold is his place of complete dependency upon God for his deliverance. And I know that you guys have been there before, right? You ever been in a place where you're like, man, the only thing I have left is God. You ever been there before? Anybody else in here? The only thing I have left is God. And I've been in that place a few times. And I got to tell you, it's a beautiful place to be in. When you're surrounded by the enemy, when you're surrounded by people talking about you, when you're surrounded by brokenness, when you're surrounded by evil, when you're surrounded by pain, when you're surrounded by heartache, and yet you find yourself surrounded, but in your stronghold. That's a good place to be. Complete dependency upon God. I was reading this passage of Scripture this week, and I was thinking about that stronghold. You know who I thought about? Tom Brady. And and here's why I thought about Tom Brady. Anybody else watch the Super Bowl last week? I'm not a Tom Brady fan. I'll be honest with you. Primarily because I know Carl, my father-in-law, is not a Tom Brady fan. So I root against him out of allegiance. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I didn't have any beef with Tom Brady until I married into it. And now we got an issue, Tom Brady and I, you know. And so... I'm watching, I'm watching the Patriots and the Falcons play in the Super Bowl, and the Falcons come out crushing it. I was happy. I'm not a Falcons fan, but I was a Falcons fan last Sunday. And I love to root for the underdogs, so I love to see, you know, Tom Brady, this guy that I'm rooting against, just go down, you know. He's, he, he's the, he's the, it's like LeBron. I'm a LeBron hater. Sorry about that, you guys. But when he blocked Steph Curry last year in the finals, and, and talk, I was like, I'm done with you. LeBron, finished. I'll never root for you ever again. Finished. I'm done. And here's why, because I'm small, and I've I've always played ball, and I'm small, and I'm like, you block Steph Curry? Oh, you're like nine foot tall. Big whoop. (laughs) Dead to me. Anyways, so, I shouldn't say that. LeBron's probably going to come to our church one day. You know what I'm saying? So, So I'm watching the Super Bowl, right, as I'm sure that you are, and you're thinking there is no way that Tom Brady and the Patriots can come back from this, right? They're down 25 points, stepping out of the tunnel, coming into the third quarter. You know, no team has come back from this deficit in Super Bowl history. You got Tom Brady, who's the oldest man in uniform on the field. The only people older than him out there, you guys, are the referees. You know, like, true story, look it up. He's the oldest person in the NFL, aside from, like, three kickers. And, like, kickers can be senior citizens, so that's not that impressive. And so, like, Tom Brady's coming out of the tunnel. And if you notice, there's something that, if you're rooting against Tom Brady, that you didn't like. And that was that Tom had this little pep in his step coming out, you know, at the third quarter. I didn't like to see that very much because I wanted to see Tom's face just, you know, just... Yeah, that's how he came out of the tunnel. And which, you know, if you're rooting against Tom, is kind of scary because, you know, Tom has played in seven Super Bowls. If he wins, he's going to get his fifth Super Bowl ring, right? And he's thrown an interception. He's down 25 points. But if you look at the videos of Tom Brady, you notice that his chin never drops. His head is always high. His chest is always up because he's always confident throughout the game that no matter what happens, because of his consistency, because of his dedication, and because of his mindset to be unchanging in the game, that at the end, he will have a chance to win. As I'm talking to you guys today about the mindset of momentum, I want to borrow a page from Tom Brady's playbook, which is this. If you don't quit, you win. I'm going to say it to this side. If you don't quit, you win. Yes. Amen? Amen? And so that's what we see happening in 2 Samuel here where David's back is against the wall. He's surrounded by all of the Philistines and yet he finds himself in a place of dependency upon God. And he says, I'm not going to give up. Why am I not going to give up? Because I've fought tons of battles in the past. And I know because God has delivered me in the past, God is going to deliver me in the present. One of the biggest mistakes that we make is we look at our past and we thank God for his faithfulness. But we look into our future and we're afraid that he's not going to be there. But just as faithful as God has been to you in your past, he is going to be ever increasingly faithful to you in your future. Because as you grow and the obstacles get bigger and the attacks get more intense, the anointing grows, the faithfulness grows. Everything that you are expecting from God, he does above and beyond. And this is something that David understands when he finds himself in this place of being surrounded. He says, you know, I could quit. I could give up. I could surrender. After all, it is only my first day on the job. It's my first day in office. I've just received the crown. I've just been anointed. I could forfeit it over and give it to the Philistines. But what does David do? He says, no, I'm going to stick with it because I know that if I don't quit, I win. You guys would know this, but it's interesting to point out that as soon as David is crowned king, immediately the Philistines surround him. And that's the way it works in the spirit. As soon as you start operating and flowing in the plan of God for your life, all the powers of evil immediately try to come and steal away the seed that's been supplanted in your spirit. As soon as you are anointed, the enemy surrounds. As soon as you are crowned king with an increase of authority, the enemy comes against it. But hey, I got good news for you guys. If you don't quit, come on. David's back was against the wall. Old Tom Brady, man, his back was against the wall. Still bitter about the fact that he won, but there's a sermon in his behavior. And oftentimes I know that maybe we hadn't played in the Super Bowl, maybe we've never been surrounded by a group of Philistines, but we know what it is like to have our back against the wall. Somebody said amen. Life seems to surround us, right? Nothing is working. No one is helping. We feel misunderstood. We feel inad- inadequate. We feel hopeless. We feel undereducated. We feel underexperienced. We don't feel like we have the tools to get the job done. Our back is against the wall. And then, just when we're down, people attack us. People malign us. People gossip about us. People say things bad about us. And that's just the way that it goes in the kingdom because there's no gray area in the kingdom of God. If you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. A lot of people talk about backsliding as if it is like, oh, you've fallen from grace, you've backslidden, you're gone from church, you're living in sin. But I think backsliding, guys, happens the very moment in which you stop taking ground from the enemy. When you decide that you're going to settle is when you start backsliding. The moment you decide that you're just comfortable right where you are is the moment you start digressing. Because in the kingdom of God, you're either overcoming or you're being overcome. There is no gray area. See, the good thing about patience and the mindset of momentum is if you don't give up, you win. Which means eventually, it doesn't matter how long that it takes, you're going to overcome the very thing that's trying to overcome you. Is this helping you guys today? Well, this is the way that it works. If you're gonna be a leader in the kingdom and you're gonna go in first, you're gonna face the most resistance. This is the way it works. If you wanna be a king anointed, got news for you guys. It's impossible to be cutting edge and not bleed. We, we push forward, we move ahead, we find ourselves in situations like this where we're, we're feeling the anointing, we're feeling the calling, we're feeling the purpose, we're feeling the word, we're feeling the prophetic, we're feeling the promise, we feel the presence, and yet we're surrounded and our back is against the wall. This is what happens whenever the power of God starts working in your life. This reminds me of a time when I went to India. Uh, some of you guys don't know this. I was a missionary to India before I was actually a pastor. And uh, when I first went to India for the very first time, my goal was to rescue children from human trafficking, child slavery, and prostitution. That was my primary goal. That's why I went over there, not to plant churches, not to preach, but to rescue kids. And we made our way to a rock quarry where they were mining slate rock, marble, and granite. And we met a little girl there named Anitha, who was 12 years old, but she didn't know, I mean, give or take 12, she didn't know how old that she was. And we began trying to negotiate plans for her freedom with her slave owner. His first response to us was, I want you to leave this mine immediately. And if you don't, I'm going to have you killed. If you ever come back here, I'm going to take your life. I forbid you to come to my mines and speak in the name of Jesus. I don't want any Christians here. And you know, there was something about that that just didn't sit right with my spirit. I mean, I felt surrounded. I felt like my back was against the wall. I felt maligned. I felt uh, spoken against. I felt that word curses had been applied to me. I felt that my life had obviously been threatened. But guess what, guys? I knew I was surrounded, but I also knew where my stronghold was. I knew that there was a place of dependency upon God that I had access to 24-7. So I went to a place of prayer. I asked friends to begin fasting with me. And although this guy had threatened our lives and told us to never come back, guess what we did? kept coming back. You know why? Because if you don't quit, and we said, hey man, listen, I know this doesn't make any sense. I know that you threatened our life. I know that you don't want us here. I know you don't want us talking about Jesus, but see, here's the thing. We promised this little girl that we were going to get her free, and so we need you to uh, figure something out because we're not quitting. You ever read that story in the Bible, the persistent widow? It's a phenomenal story. How about this one? You ever read that story in the Bible where the guy comes and uh, he knocks on the door, and the guy on the inside says, uh, Go away. Uh, I'm, I'm with my family. We're in bed for the night. Uh, yeah, yeah I, heard, I heard you, but uh, see, here's the I need some bread. Go away. I'm in bed. You, 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 you didn't hear me very clearly. Hey, uh, you, I see you in there. Bread? I see the bread. It's, it's right there. Hey, get up. What happens? He gets up. Why? Persistence. Why? Because if you don't quit. Did you know that persistence will get you things that relationship won't? The man outside the door had relationship with the guy in bed, but it wasn't the relationship that caused him to move. It was the persistence. I, I don't know if you guys are getting this. So it was the persistence. See, it wasn't the relationship. It was the persistence. It was his unwillingness. It was his unwavering faith that if I continue to knock on this door, and if I don't quit, then I'm going to get what I need. Because what I need is that bread, and it's right inside there, and my persistence is going to bring the breakthrough. I might be surrounded in conflict. I might be, you know, there's Philistines all around me, but I know where my stronghold is. And I know that if I don't quit, I win. This is what David experienced. He experienced this right from day one. He received instruction from the Lord hey, go up, go up and take on these Philistines. That's what the Lord spoke to him. You know, when you have a word from God, you are fearless. But without a word, we tend to be afraid. When we don't have a word from God, you know, we shake, we tremble, we're scared, we're afraid to share our dreams with other people. But when we have a word from God, we are absolutely fearless. It doesn't matter who comes against us. It doesn't matter how many have surrounded us. We're willing to go out and do battle. Why? Because we have a word. Just like uh, old Tom Brady in the third quarter. Fearless. When everyone else thinks that you're done, you're calm cool and collected tom knew that he could win despite all the odds he knew he had a fighting chance and that's exactly what david understood david knew that he could win he knew that because he had a word and if he didn't quit he would win and then after he won what happened something strange right we see david renames his battlefield how does he even get to do that well he's king now so he gets to do what he wants He'd experienced so many battles in his past. I mean, he had wrestled a lion. He had killed a bear. I mean, as a youth, he picked up the sword of Goliath and cut off the giant's head. David had won. He had become victorious in so many battles, and yet he had never renamed a battlefield. But as David was king, as David began to walk in this authority as king, he then had revelation on a different facet, a unique facet of God's character that had never been revealed to humanity before, which was God as breakthrough. And he said, this is where I understood something new about God. You see, our battlefields become our altars. Our places of a great, uh, you know, greatest attacks become our, the places of our greatest revelation because it's in attacks that we start to understand new things about God. So, see, David, he never renamed any of his other battles. But because he had been in battles is what granted him permission to have authority. See, you think that all of your battles have been for nothing, that they've been terrible and that they've been painful. But there's a purpose in the pain. And that is that you've been given authority. Every time you fought, it's not been needless. Every battle that you've endured, it's not been for the sake of nothing. It's led you to where you are today, which has been highly anointed by authority. And you've been given revelation on things about God that you otherwise would not have received had you not had to fight. But the crazy thing about God in the sense of all of this is that God will put us in battles only for him to fight them for us. Have you ever noticed that? He puts us in battles, but not so that we can fight, but that so he can win them for us. And then he says, you know, David's like, oh, this is, this is incredible. You know, the Lord, so Baal, Perazim, right, actually translate out as the Lord of the breakthrough. In the illustration he gives, he says the, the Lord has, has broken through like waters, which is like a dam, right? It's like, it's, you, you, you guys know what a dam is. It's like this wall that's holding back all of this water, but eventually the pressure becomes so so strong, the power behind this wall becomes so heavy that it breaks out and it breaks loose. And that is exactly what David likened God unto. He said, if I wait long enough, if I stay patient in the stronghold, if I don't quit, and I stay with this mindset of momentum, then the power of God and the favor that's on my life will break through and God will overcome my enemies for me. See, that's the mindset of momentum. It's not about how hard you fight, but it's how you're willing to be patient and rest. The battle, the battle is is not in your ability to swing the sword. The battle is in your willingness to lay down. And so many of us fight battles that God never called us to fight. We're swinging that sword, you know, looking at ourselves in the mirror. Man, I'm getting buff. (laughs) Look at me, swinging the sword. I'm strong in the spirit. And I feel like the strongest people in the spirit are those that hear the chatter of the enemy and take a nap. (laughs) Because I know who my God is. I'm good with you. Surrounded, but in the stronghold. Not quitting, winning. So I'm going to give you guys three principles, super quick, about a mindset of momentum that I want to share with you guys, that if you're going to live and walk in momentum, these are three things uh, that you're going to live and walk in as well. The first one is this. Consistency in your connection. These are things that we all need to be proficient in if we're going to carry a mindset of momentum. You guys just say this with me. Consistency in your connection. How many of you guys know that less time in the presence is never the solution? Right? Less time in prayer, less time in the Bible is never the solution you're looking for. Right? Right? But a lot of times, whenever we're in pain, what we retreat to is pleasure, when what we've been anointed to do is retreat to prayer. Woo! We're surrounded, but we're intended to go to the stronghold, but instead we go to Netflix. Hey. Oh. I'm in so much pain right now, you know, I, 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 I need some pleasure. I'm gonna Uber Eats, some bluebell ice cream, <laughs> I'm binge watching Netflix right now. Right? But the entire time there's an invitation to come to a place of prayer because that's where the power is. That's where the strength is. That's where the stronghold is. That's where the mindset is. That's where the breaker anointing is. That's where God shows up and declares himself to be the Lord of the breakthrough. To have have consistency in in your connection, it looks like not allowing your circumstance to dictate your worship, but rather allowing your worship to dictate your circumstance. I see so many people who come into church and because they've had a bad week, they don't sit where they normally sit, but they actually hide in the back, you know, and they're like, I'm not going to worship today because I've had a bad week. Okay, so your circumstance is dictating your worship when what you need to do is allow your worship to dictate your circumstance. Because it's not about you praying the problem, it's about you praying the word. Because, you know, it's not that God needs to hear about your problem, it's that your problem needs to hear about your God. And when you start to release that, Can I preach this to you what God gave it to me? Yes. I mean, come on. <laughs> I get very excited about battling Philistines. I don't know what it is. Ed, so I get pumped, but consistency in your connection. Here's the here's second thing. Consistency in your content. And really, this is twofold, God, but guys, but the first one I, wanna, I really want to touch is, is that while you wait on God's instruction, what are you thinking about? What are you filling your mind with? Are you allowing the enemy to work you over in your mind? Or are you occupying a place of prayer and a place you know, of, of peace? with the Lord. Philippians 4 and 8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is very interesting to point out because in Romans chapter 12 verse 1, the apostle Paul teaches us that transformation comes as a result of the renewing of the mind, right? So the enemy is really strategic in surrounding us and trying to get us to think about things that are going to bring about zero transformation in our world, which is why we get bombarded with so many things as soon as we wake up in the morning via Instagram. Hey, look at all these things. Fill your mind with this. Let this be the content that you contemplate throughout the day, not the Word of God. That's why I keep my phone in my kitchen because I don't want to allow social media to influence my day. I want the Bible to influence my day. So I try to make sure that the first thing that I do is give God the opportunity to speak to me before somebody else speaks to me who doesn't care anything about my life. We're all being transformed into someone's image or thing's image. And that's going to be dependent upon what we behold most often. How many of you guys know that we're called to be more influenced by the Bible than we are social media? Right. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> so good. I try, so just short key, I try to limit what kind of media I'm exposed to early in the morning. Because I understand that sets the tone of my day. And so I want to make sure that God has plenty of space to speak to me before anybody else does. Yeah. Amen? So here's number three. Number three, I want to read uh, Proverbs eleven fourteen. It says this, Where no counsel is, the people fail, or the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And this speaks to your consistency in your collaboration. Guys, when we think that we've got it all figured out is the moment that we know nothing. If we're in a season where we don't need anybody, we're just fine, all by ourselves, thank you very much, is the season where we actually need covenant community unlike any time else consistency in your collaboration consistency in your connection with other people and spending time in community when pe- when you feel surrounded when you feel like your back is up against the wall the enemy's tactic is going to get you to separate yourself from community and from church he's going to say hey push it. you know don't go to church you you, you got to figure this thing out you got to clean yourself up before you get back in community but see consistency in your collaboration looks like not Moving away from community whenever you're in pain, but going further in to community whenever you're in pain, because it's your vulnerability that's actually going to bring about the Lord of the breakthrough operating in your life, not you holding back and hiding things that are going on in your world and trying to figure it out on your own. Can I tell you guys this, that a lot of times some of the greatest revelation in my life comes as a result, not of conversations with the bridegroom but with the bride not just with Jesus but with you you ever been in a place before where you've been praying about something for a long time and you don't feel like you're getting any answers from God maybe it's because God didn't want to give you the answer directly maybe he wanted to give it to you indirectly through community but because you were so frustrated with other people you decided not to engage not be a part of church to actually prolong the breakthrough in your life There's a glorious inheritance that is in the saints. You guys ever notice that before? Ephesians chapter 1. If you read through Ephesians chapter 1, what you'll find is there are five or six blessings and breakthroughs that come to us as the result of faith in the bridegroom. But then Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 talks about the glorious, uh, the the, the riches of glory, the inheritance that's in the saints. I'm I'm butchering the uh, paraphrase, but the glorious inheritance that's in the saints. I believe, guys, that a majority of our inheritance comes through our faith in the bridegroom. But there's a portion of our inheritance that comes only as a result of our connection to the bride. So you could be living, you could be the most spiritual person, most prayerful person and, and be walking with half your inheritance. Because God stores it in people, especially those that you would never think are qualified for you to become a whole person in him. Usually I find that the people who help me to grow the most are the people I dislike the most. (laughs) The people that rub up against, you know, as iron sharpens iron. People who challenge us. So I want to read one scripture to you guys as you stand at Galatians chapter six, verse nine. You can just stand up, please. We're going to read this all together and let's read it out, you know, as a community, because I I really want you guys to just, you know, update your heart, update your spirit on this, because I, I know that a lot of you guys, you're in that place of your stronghold and you know this already. You know, if I don't quit, I win. You already know that. If I don't quit, I win. You know that. But you're in this place of waiting on God. Can I say something to you? Waiting on God is not waiting on him to show up. Waiting on God is waiting with him for him to speak. God is already with you. God already fills you. God has already taken up residence in you. You're never waiting on God to show up. You're just waiting on God to speak. Should I go up? Or should I stay right here? And here's what God says about that. So let's not get tired. Say, let's say it together. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If you don't give up, you guys finish it. You win. If you don't give up, are you encouraged today? Yes. Stay in it. Stay there. Keep going. Momentum's on your side. God is with you. So when I want to ask you, close your eyes, bow your head just for a moment. If you're in this room right now and you do not know Jesus, you would say to me, well, I'm far from God right now and I need to come home. I know I'm not saved or set free. I'm living in sin. Today is your day to catch a wave of momentum and to be delivered and to come home. And so if you know You need to be set free. You need to be saved. You want to make a fresh start with Jesus today. Just shoot your hand up in the air right now. We're going to pray with you all together as a family. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Amazing. Great. So, Father, we thank you for a family of sold-out believers and disciples in you. And God, I just pray over them today. I pray for the force of heaven's momentum to be at their back. God, I pray every single thing that they touched this week would turn to gold as a result of your anointing on the inside of them. Father, I thank you for the blessing and for the breakthrough that's happening in their life. How many of you guys in here, you know you're blessed? Say amen. How many of you guys in here, you're waiting right now on a blessing from God to manifest in your life. Say amen. That's a lot of you guys. And I feel to share share with this, share this with you by the spirit as I'm closing, all right? When Jesus fed the 5,000 with the loaves and the fishes, it says that he took the bread and that he lifted it to heaven and he blessed it. You guys all said, that's me, I'm blessed. But what did he do next? He broke it. Because before it could be multiplied, it first had to be broken. And some of you guys are in this place of brokenness in your life and in your heart right now. And I want to encourage you. The brokenness precedes the multiplication. The blessing is on its way. You have been blessed. Don't worry about the brokenness. It's just so that you can multiply. Amen. You received that? Say amen. I'm going to ask Erica to come and close this out. God bless you guys. Thank you, Lyle. Thank you so much. That was so good sharing in the first service my husband Nick and I have just felt like we've been in this season of momentum for a couple of months now and so to come in and hear this series it's just been so encouraging and we're we're like honestly so stoked about it we leave church and we're like that was so good and we like talk about it all week so that was amazing so I just want to guys um, invite the ministry team to come up and as they're making their way forward I just want to remind you guys that We have dinner parties this week, so if you haven't joined a dinner party and you want to join a dinner party, you can meet us out at the Connect.